social ladies. All the 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 social ladies. Now put your phones up. Welcome to All the Social Ladies with CEO of Likeable Media, Carrie Kerpin. Because if you're social, then you really should be tweeting less. If you're social, then you really could be leading less. You can't have what people say it's so mysterious. Because you're social, you're a leader and you're serious. Now, Carrie Kerpin. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of All the Social Ladies. I'm Carrie Kerfin, CEO of Likeable Media, and I am so thrilled today to have Michelle Weissman with me. Michelle Weissman is the marketing director at Likeable Media, and I'm so proud to have her. She's been with us for, oh, God, how long, Michelle? Uh, well, I was a buzz builder in 2009, but okay. officially full-time in 2010. So we're talking, we're talking I've known yeah. Michelle a good five years. Uh, Michelle is what I would call a passionista. She is filled with passion and has really built the likable media social following. Uh, she's also built quite a following for herself. So today we're going to talk a little bit about uh, Michelle's progress and growing from college student into real social influencer. And so hopefully you guys will have some great takeaways from that today. So without further ado, I want to introduce you to the amazing, the incomparable Michelle Weissman, also known as at Auto Girl. Welcome, Michelle. Thanks, Carrie. Thanks for having me. I'm so happy to have you here today. And I think that a lot of young people could really learn from your story. So why don't you talk a little bit about how you in school came to know Likeable Media and came to the company? Sure. So I actually was sitting in my dorm room my junior year at Syracuse University, and I came across a Facebook ad. And it said, are you a marketing student? Do you go to Syracuse University? Are you from Queens? Well, you should work for an internship at the KBuzz. At the time, Likeable Media was the KBuzz. So I was like, oh, this is... And we were located in Queens, so it was perfect. Yeah. So I clicked on it, and I said, this looks very interesting. So I clicked on the website, and it looked like it was a fun company. There was a lot of bees everywhere. <laughs> so I was like, let me let me apply for this internship. And I had an interview um, after I came home from studying abroad in London with the Buzz Builder manager, and they offered me the internship. So I knew the company was, you know, something about word of mouth and social media. But prior to my internship at, you know, Likeable, I really – didn't have any knowledge of social media marketing. I had a Twitter account maybe for a month before. I didn't really know how to use it, and I basically just used Facebook to communicate with my college friends. And what were you studying in school? I studied uh, television, radio, film at Newhouse, and marketing in Whitman Business School. So you were basically learning marketing but learning more traditional ends of it. Yes. Um, we ventured in some of my marketing and uh, communications classes a little bit on internet marketing, but nothing to the extent of any social media marketing. And also it was pretty early, right? So that was 2009. Yes. So they weren't, yes. they hadn't yet incorporated it into curriculum. Okay. So you came into your internship and I, I know from personal experience, of course, because at the time I was COO, we had a lot of interns at that time. And so when we had a lot of interns, how did you manage to cut through the clutter? I know that very few were able to get full-time jobs. How did you how did you cut through the clutter? I know you mentioned you came through as a junior, so you weren't even graduated yet. Why don't you tell a little bit of that story? Yep. So um, it was, you know, into my senior year at this it was the summer before my senior year at Syracuse, and we Dave posed a challenge to all the interns. And they the challenge was to write a blog post. 
So I decided that I wanted to, you know, get on this. And there was about a group of 20 of us. So, you know, I wanted to separate myself from everyone else. So I wrote this blog post and I remember him calling me into his office. I thought, oh, no, am I in trouble? Like, what did I do wrong? And he goes, Michelle, this is great. Like, this is really great writing. So he kind of took me under his wing from there and really taught me, you know, really how to market, um, you know, a business on Twitter and Facebook. At the time, those were the only two platforms really available. And from then, I was able to, you know, just run with it and, you know, really learn everything I could from Dave and, and you. And then Dave asked you when you were going back to school after the summer if you would continue working, but you were still in school. So tell me a little bit about how that worked. Yep. So he, I remember I was at home and he tweeted to me saying, oh, Auto Girl, I have a crazy idea. Come in tomorrow and we'll talk about it. So he called me into his office and he says, okay, so I really want, you know, you to continue with this company. At the time, we were really small, and, you know, I thought it was a great opportunity to continue my social media passion. So he proposed the idea to be his part-time assistant while being a full-time student at Syracuse throughout my senior year. And, you know, we were kind of going with the plan of, all right, we'll try this out for a few months, see how this goes. And then if it's, you know, successful and great, we'll just keep it keep it going. And fortunately it was. And I learned a ton that year. And it was just a crazy whirlwind. So I have a couple questions about that before we move on to the superstar that you then became uh, socially. So when you took that on, what do you think it was so for people who are young and, and taking on internships, what do you think it was that helped you cut through the clutter to be the one selected to do that? Because I would imagine that in a small company, you said there were 20 interns, it'd probably be very hard to get that position. What do you think it was about you? I think I was super passionate. I had a lot of drive. Um, you know, anytime there was an opportunity to volunteer and do something, I kind of took action and, and did it. Um, you have to be fearless and you can't. And even if you mess up, you're still going to learn. And, you know, an internship is the opportunity to do that. So I think, you know, anytime there was an opportunity to live tweet during a webinar or to, you know, write a guest blog post or, or do something that allows you to stand out from the rest, it really helped because, you know, I jumped on that opportunity and I just went with it. So showing the initiative. There. Yes, showing the initiative. I love that. And then tell us some of the stories. So I, obviously, those who know Dave Kirpin, CEO, uh, former CEO of Likeable Media and now CEO of Likeable Local, would know that he's a, a pretty intense character. So working uh, for him as his assistant while in school must have been pretty hard. Yes. Um, my first semester, I had a full schedule of classes. So that was more difficult than the second semester because lucky enough, I was only in class three days a week in the spring. But yes, I had to manage my time very well. Um, in between breaks and classes, I was constantly taking phone calls and scheduling meetings. My college friends would be sitting next to me at lunch, <laughs> and I'd be, you know, talking to you know executives, trying to you know schedule meetings. If I was walking into class and and someone was calling me back from a phone call, I would have to say, "Oh, excuse me, I'm sorry, I'm walking into a meeting right now." I couldn't say I was walking into college class. That's amazing. Um, you must have felt so empowered, though. Yes, it was a it was an amazing experience. I mean. I don't know how many college kids could say that they were like the executive assistant for a CEO of like a growing startup at 
you know, while in college. Like, it, it's something that I'll always remember, and I'm so grateful for it because I, I think I learned so much in that time period, not only time management, but people skills, phone skills, you know, just really um, prioritizing, like, what's important, travel. So I think, you know, it, it's, it was a great opportunity. That's incredible. Now tell me, so almost everyone I run into at any conference anywhere, and, and I am the CEO of like, well, I'm pretty, pretty well known. I speak at a few different things, you know, somewhat. Anytime I run into anyone, they don't say to me, oh, Carrie, it's so great to see you, or how's Dave, or update me. They say, how's Auto Girl? So tell me a little bit about how you built this reputation in social media. And you know you said that you really hadn't tweeted a lot before Likeable. How did you come to own this and be this persona? Can you talk about that a little bit? Sure. So I actually created my Twitter account a week or two before I left my study abroad program in London. And honestly, the only reason why I created it was because I knew in February Oprah and Ashton Kutcher and crazy about Twitter, and all my friends were talking about, oh, let's make a Twitter. This seems like the cool new thing. So I was like, all right. And literally my first tweet was, I'm, I'm just trying to learn Twitter. I had no idea what I was doing. And your name was Auto Girl then. Yeah, and it was Auto Girl Explain then. what Auto Girl is yeah, for for yeah. the non-Cuse fans. Yes. Yeah, so um, Auto Girl is basically, I guess, a little nickname. It used to be an old email address of mine. And, you know, it's kind of like a username I've used in the past. Um, and Otto is the Syracuse University's mascot, Otto the Orange. And then girl, I just left out the I because it's like the old AOL screening language. Okay. So Otto girl, but girl is um, <laughs> where it came from. Um, and, yeah, and obviously I'm a Syracuse University uh alum so that's and pretty passionate about yes, that. yes okay so you started it when you when Ashton Kutcher like it became a big deal you were just finished traveling abroad and yep. then and then happened? and then I remember even like before my interview at the Kavas I, I followed the Kavas I followed you and Dave and started doing some research on like what Twitter even is but still not really understanding it and then once I had my internship um, at the Kavas we had a challenge where the first person or the the person who can get the most followers or the first person who can get 100 followers something like that would win a prize so i was determined to win so you know i kind of started following you know what you and dave were tweeting about cuz you got you guys are kind of like my idols in the twitter world and kind of mirrored and followed what you were doing so the space wasn't as cluttered as it is now in 2009 but you know tweeting great articles um you know engaging with people by actually talking to them and um you know seeing who you guys followed and um kind of mirrored like what you were doing and then from there i was since i kind of grew a pretty big following from that contest I kind of kept it going and started to you know continue to tweet out great content follow industry thought leaders um, I thought the the most awesome experiences was being able to like interact with celebrities and brands and just all it's a really a great one-to-one connection that I don't really think you get on any other platform even um, to this day so you know I just kind of kept it going and then built a following and then anytime I interact with anyone I genuinely try to you know, make that interaction as if I'm meeting them in person. 
And so tell me about that a little bit. I know that you always say that Twitter gives you this incredible access to all of these people. But how did you get those people to respond and engage with you, right? I mean, Mm -hmm. because I find that if you reach out to anyone, they get back to you. So explain how that happened Mm -hmm. and any advice you have for people in using Twitter for that medium. Yeah, so I think, you know, how it happened is I wouldn't, if I follow someone, I wouldn't ultimately, like, be like, hey, I need something or I want something. You know, I kind of would follow what they're tweeting about, what they like. Um, I'm super passionate about sports. So if I saw that they were tweeting about some college football game, you know, I would, like, interact with them on that. Um, I would try to find commonalities and, you know, what I had in common with, with you know, the other people um, or something that I thought was interesting. I would also retweet retweet them, favorite their tweets. So really like genuinely engaging with them, not just saying, oh, great article. Like you have to be as specific as you can as possible. So that would also like be my advice is try to, you know, really connect with another Twitter user. Just don't say like, thanks for the retweet or thanks for sharing my post. Try to understand like why they're on Twitter, why they want to be there and what they're talking about. And yeah, I think that's really it. So it sounds like mass marketing doesn't really work on Twitter. No, you have to be as personal as you can. Um, And, you know, like even what I find helps is I know like some of my followers are, you know, big, you know, uh, if they're a Yankee fan or a Mets fan, like, and then sending them an article about like a recent Mets trade or a recent Mets, you know, news story would really like think, oh, wow, like she thought of me and thought I would enjoy this article. So, Michelle, how do you scale that? Because that that's so challenging, what you're able to do, and, and so thoughtful and wonderful that you're able to do that. Is it how – do, how do you make the time to do that? So I have a list of people that I follow and engage with all the time. So it's not like a huge group of people. I would say it's about 1,000 people. Those are your VI tweeps, right? Yes, my <laughs> VI tweeps. You know who you are. <laughs> Hope you're listening. I love it. Um, and, you know – I'm sure, and, you know, if you want to be added to the list, just tweet at me. (laughs) Um, At Autogirl. Yep. But, um, you know, I I mean, obviously I might not talk to a a Twitter user, like, every day, but it might be once a month or maybe once every three months. But any person that will reply me, I'll answer to them. But you feel – it must feel natural to you to do this, right? Yeah. It's totally natural. It doesn't feel awkward. Um, And even if, like, we meet up in person, I always find that the best because I feel like the whole time it's, like, this person that I'm looking at their avatar. And then it's, like, finally, we're not just, like, avatar friends anymore. We're actually – people and we're going to meet up and talking. So that's always the best connection. So do you feel like it's important to have that kind of social skill um, and the fearless element of networking? Yes. And as much as it's easier and less intimidating to, you know, talk to people online, nothing will ever be, I don't think, the face-to-face interaction. That's awesome. So tell me a little bit. So I know you said you love Twitter. Obviously, you're you're most well-known on Twitter. Do you use other networks, and how do you use them? So, yeah, I mean, obviously I'm across um, – I have a presence across multiple networks, but I use Facebook to just really communicate with friends and family. It's, um, obviously, I promote some business stuff, but it's mostly personal use. And really the same goes for 
I guess, Instagram. Um, I usually just share, like, pictures with my friends, what I'm doing on the weekends, more like my personal life, some cool Insta food pics. Um, (laughs) And then I use Vine a little bit. I probably should venture into that a little more, but um, I think video is is really awesome. And then uh, I obviously blog for Likeable, too. And how about LinkedIn? Are you using LinkedIn? Yes, yes. So tell me, tell me if you're looking at Twitter versus LinkedIn, which do you think is a better networking platform? I think they're different, and I both think that they have opportunities to network very well. So, for example, if someone's following me on Twitter and then I have that relationship with them and we're constantly tweeting back and forth and we find commonalities, then I don't think it's awkward to then eventually send them a LinkedIn request because we already established that connection. Mm-hmm. If, I, if the person that I'm looking to connect with is not active on Twitter, my second option is always LinkedIn. And, you know, most of the times I'll reach out to someone. And I think it's always important not to just send a generic, I'd like to connect with you <laughs> message. You should always want to try to personalize it. So if they recently won an award, if they recently spoke at a conference, if they were quoted in an awesome publication like Fast Company, New York Times, The Wall Street Journal, et cetera, um, you know, what, you know, say congratulations. Um, I think just showing that you care and genuinely want to connect with someone is what's more important. Um, but LinkedIn, I think, is definitely a little tougher to engage with just because Twitter is so easy to just send a tweet. Um, a lot of times when people see a LinkedIn message, they think they're either getting recruited or maybe spammed because it's more of a professional network. Very interesting. So you went from building this strong personal following while simultaneously building a following and a presence. You're the voice of social media on behalf of Likeable Media, correct? Yeah. Okay, so let's talk about a little bit of the differences between when you're networking as a person and you're interacting as a person and you're creating content for a company. What are the differences between those two things? I think it could be a little more challenging when creating content for a company um, versus a person in terms of networking, Mm -hmm. just because people love a friendly face um, in any brand or or anything. It's harder to for a person or community to relate to a brand. Um, But I definitely think you know there's pros and cons to each. you know, a company has the opportunity to have that authority and that thought leadership as a person might not necessarily have that. Um, I think the content with, you know, so like the content for our blog is way more authoritative, I think, than if I had my own personal blog. Um, and we are fortunate to have, you know, a bunch of different people write for it. Um, it's, it's easier to produce content for a company way quicker than just a single person. Um, And I also think that, you know, for a company, you have the opportunity to experiment a little more, too. And also, I think that they look – you probably don't have to create as much custom content for Autogirl, right? Autogirl is all about conversation, whereas Likeable Media, they're looking for, like, interesting content-based. Yes, so that's definitely a challenge because I'm constantly trying to say, okay, what can we create next but without creating – you know, without taking too much time yep. from everyone else. And, um, you know, and then I could just like retweet someone on Autogirl and that would be considered content. Mm. Very interesting. And is it difficult to have 
multiple accounts that you're managing at the same time? Do you ever have like an oopsie where you tweet something as Auto Girl that you meant to tweet as likable media or likable uh, media and Auto Girl, etc.? You can tell. Don't yeah, worry. I think like once before I've t- I've tweeted something like hashtag bleed orange, but it kind of <laughs> but bleed orange but, works either way. Yeah, right? exactly. Like I think I said something like amazing circus win, bleed orange on unlikable, and then quickly deleted it. But it wouldn't have been so bad because yeah. at least it's our color. Exactly. So. Exactly. Orange is the color of likable as well. So I think that that's something that kind of works for you. It's often been said that you bleed orange and that works quite well, both for your company and uh, and for Accuse, of, yes, course. of course. Of course. So tell me a little bit about um, passion. Let's talk about passion for a minute. So you're somebody who's always described as very, very passionate. Obviously, you got the job at Likeable because you showed your passion. Your tweets exude passion. I think that's really what made you so well followed, you know, and so so well liked is because you just ooze passion. Is that something that is natural? Were you always passionate as a kid? Where where did that come from? Yeah, I feel like in everything I did, I and every and in everything I do, I always try to put my all into it, no matter what. So I, I am very passionate, whether I'm rooting for Syracuse or, you know, I'm at work, you know, trying to get some content, you know, from start to finish. I'm just always passionate. Um, as a kid, my dad introduced me to Syracuse at the age of eight, and I've been passionate with them ever since. I also used to play basketball, so I was very passionate about that sport. Um I just feel like anything I'm a part of, I want to put my all into it. Like even now I'm um, involved with New York Cares and their fundraising committee. So we put two events on a year and I'm super passionate about nonprofit work. So I think if I'm going to take the time to invest in something, I'm going to put my all into it. Now, Michelle, you're pretty young, but I have an important question for you. So I don't know if this has happened to you yet. Have you ever been really passionate about something and really wanted something and not gotten it? So like oh, yeah. you have. Okay. Oh, yeah, good. for sure. Because you're such a go-getter, you know, obviously you're passionate about likable, you got you were able to grow with unlikable, you're passionate about Qs, you were able to get into Syracuse. Tell me about something that you were really passionate about that you didn't get. So I'm a big believer in everything happens for a reason. Mm-hmm. But um it's so when I was abroad, I thought my junior year to senior year um, internship would be something in the sports-related field. Again, my passions for sports and marketing and communications. So I applied to a ton of internships. I applied to ESPN, MLB, NBA, the top-notch sports internships. I would get the interviews, and I would make it to the final round, and I didn't get any of them, and I was devastated. So, you know, I was like, oh, no, like, what am I going to do? I'm going back to school in, like, three months. I need to get an internship. And then, thankfully, Chris from the K-Buzz called me and said, we want to interview you. So, in a way, yes, I didn't get what I wanted, and I was very upset because I was very passionate about that industry and field, but at the same time, it was a blessing in disguise because now I'm here and I have an awesome job with an awesome company. And who would have known like what have happened if, you know, I did get those internships and maybe I didn't end up liking those roles. So it's incredible. Yeah, That's actually really a great story. Awesome. And I love, I love how you're able to take your passion and turn that into everything happens for a reason. So if you don't get it. 
you know, you're yeah. able to really help co- have that coping mechanism because yeah. I would imagine somebody as passionate as you must be very hard not to get what you want. Yeah. Oh, I was super upset. I cried and, oh, <laughs> and, I, no. and I was like, what am I, what am I doing wrong? No. All right. So tell me, I know that you're somebody who's very focused on your career and growth. And I know that you believe very strongly in mentors. So tell me a little bit about the importance of mentors in your life and and how that's helped you. Yeah. So I think, you know, as a, you know, young adult and young professional, it's super important to surround yourself with mentors. Um, I always, you know, have looked for guidance, um, you know, inside of Likeable and outside of Likeable too. So it's important to surround yourself with, you know, you're either your manager at work or someone that's like a manager, but we work closely with in another department. Just, you know, someone that you could go to besides HR um, as like a resource because it's super important. I think you can learn so much from your mentors. And then outside of Likeable, I've been fortunate enough. I have um, a mentor at one of my old internships at MTV. I still call him, you know, whenever I need something. And it's kind of funny because I've also seen my mentors ask now me for advice on stuff that, you know, they're not necessarily sure about. So that's been really a cool transition to see. Um, And then I also am a part of ANI, um, Advertising Women in New York, and they have an amazing mentor program. And my mentor is awesome. So she's another person that I could go to. We meet about once a month and just talk about, you know, um, you know, work-life balance and, you know, really trying to guide me through my career. That's incredible. And so you would recommend that for other young professionals? Yep. And then, um, you know, as much as I love people mentoring me. I actually signed up for iMentors um, mentoring program, which is a mentoring program where uh, mentors, uh, mentor, mentee, or mentor New York City schools uh, students. Um, and it's a, a great program because I want to give back now that I've been able to, fortunately, people have mentored me. So I want to give back and mentor other people. That's incredible. And I'm yeah. sure you're perceived uh, just as such a valuable mentor because you are such an influencer online. And so tell me, tell me about being an influencer online. Like, how does that, is that a weird thought to you that you are so influential online? Yeah, um, this is a funny story. So this was about two years ago, and I was down in Nashville for my brother's graduation. And my mom and I were flying back to New York. Um, It was just the two of us. And we're on a layover at Southwest. I think we're in Chicago. And we were going to New York. So we're sitting on the plane, and all of a sudden, this uh, guy walks on, and he goes, oh, hey, auto girl. And I was like, it took me a minute to register. And right. I realized it was uh, BJ Emerson. Oh, so, Tasty Delight at yeah, the time. Yes. I think he's still there, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, so we were chatting. And then this is also two days before Likeable You, our, yes. our Internet Conference. Week conference. So I was, like, all crazed, and then I even remember him inviting him to the conference, and he ended up coming. But I'll never forget the look on my mom's face that she thought it was so cool that someone recognized me from Twitter for being an influencer and, like, in real life, and she just, like, couldn't get over it. it. She just was like, he knew you from Twitter? Like... (laughs) And are you surprised when your name's yeah. obviously to a lot of lists, your name, you know. Is yeah, like, and it's super flattering and, like, 
it's just so funny because sometimes people will come up to me and be like, hey, auto girl. And it just takes me a minute to register because it's like, oh, wait, everyone calls me Michelle, but I'm also auto girl. So but I, I, I find it super flattering. And, um, you know, and like with and, you know, I am passionate about obviously like mentoring, too. So anytime like someone has a question at a conference or on Twitter, like I'm always happy to help and answer and connect people because I'm also a big believer in pay it forward. Yes. Um, so, you know, it, it's, it's, it's awesome. And I yeah. think it's, it's really just gives you tremendous access to what you want to do when you grow in your career, when you're ready to do something new, your next challenge, anything like that, you've built this huge network. Yep. Not that likable media ever wants you to go anywhere because you're oh. the best in all the land. <laughs> well, I bleed orange. So. You do bleed orange. Well, Michelle, I'm so, so happy to have had you on today. Do you have any advice for young, aspiring uh, auto girls of the world? Any advice for them? Uh, be fearless. Never give up, even if you think, you know, you hit a roadblock, something may, another door may open, you never know what it could be. And, you know, always be nice to people, too. That's another thing. Um, no matter what, if you don't think, like, this person can help you right now, you never know where that person's going to be in five years from now, and you might have to go to them and say, hey, um, can you do me this favor, introduce me to this person? So just never burn any bridges. Awesome. Thanks, Michelle, for coming on today, and thank you for all of the incredible work that you do at Likeable Media. Please follow Michelle at AutoGirl, at O-T-T-O-G-R-L. You know the special AOL girl. <laughs> and uh, follow her and connect with her because she's one awesome social lady. Thanks, Carrie. You've been listening to All the Social Ladies with Carrie Kerfin, CEO of Likeable Media. You can follow Carrie on Twitter, at Carrie Kirpin. To get current social media insights and great tips, sign up for Carrie's weekly newsletter by emailing newsletter at likeable.com.